it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 4.23 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. Today's our final episode of the season, and we'll talk in the first half to the seniors about what it was like in the locker room after losing the last game and reflecting on a season spent trading the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Coach Tonegal will join in the second half to talk about the challenge of losing the last game and how to continue to pursue the I Am Third life when things don't finish the way you want them to. We're joined again by our three seniors, dropping in on the final point of the season to reflect on the entire year in the last game. Trevor, we're playing in the Elite Eight against Oregon Tech. And we just had a, a moment in the game before. We The last five episodes have been spent on that moment of worship where God just seemed to show up in a, in a game. And then we were playing again the next night. What do you remember about that game and how you were feeling going into it? Yeah, I mean, coming into that game uh, off a night of worship and a, a day of just worship, I felt very free. And I think I speak for my teammates when I say that. Like, we weren't thinking about anything at all, really. We were just thinking about how can we worship during this game? You know, we were on that kind of spiritual high. And um, we, uh, from a basketball standpoint, we were very well prepared. Uh, we knew the scout. And, you know, we came into the game ex- not expecting to win, but we had a good game plan, and we thought we had a good chance of winning. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't, you know, we weren't thinking about that, I guess. You, you could look at... I could look at Joel and just know that his heart's in a good spot, and um, that's kind of what's most important when you talk about being together. And there is this sense almost that you think because we're worshiping that we're going to have success, and because we have freedom, we're going to win. But it doesn't necessarily play out that way. Joel, what happened in the game, and what do you remember about it? Uh, I remember from that game, uh, Oregon Tech, they they played really great. Um, credit to them. They came in. Uh, um, down, you know, really good game plan, and they hit a lot of sh- shots, and uh, they they really play hard. Uh, but for us, that you know, that didn't make that didn't stop us from keep playing. I remember, you know, every time we cut the lead back to about six or seven, and uh, they come down, and they hit a big shots, uh, or someone making a shot that you know, you know, wasn't even, you know, like they know you can shoot it. So uh, they played unbelievable. Um, um, and we kept fighting no matter what to the last minute. And, and that's one thing that I, I love about my team. No matter what, winning or losing, we keep fighting to the end of the clock. And you're right, Oregon Tech played an amazing game. They're one of the historic programs in the NAIA. And we've played them before in the national tournament. And that's the thing about March is it can come down to one game where a team goes to another level. And Oregon Tech went to another level that night. We didn't feel like we played poorly they just played like a better team in that one game, and it led to an outcome we weren't looking for. So we go into the locker room. We had expectation of winning again, and we didn't. And you guys are competitors. So we've been talking about identity all season long, and it can sound great. Yeah, identity in Christ, that's more important than performance. But it hurts when you lose, especially when you're competitive. 
Evan, what do you remember about the locker room after the game? Um, I mean, like you said, obviously we had a plan and it didn't work out that way. So I think in that moment, it's it's tough to know what to feel or um, just thinking about what you should feel or whatever. But um, looking back on that locker room experience, uh, honestly, it's one of the most special things I've been through. And uh, the, if I could put it into one word, I would just say love. Um, I just look back at that experience and I, I just think, of love because I mean the relationships um, the opportunity we had to be on this team obviously there was emotion from the game um, but it's like God just took us to a new place in that moment um, just to remind us who we are why we were there in the first place and um, obviously it felt like I mean the, the season was over in that moment um, but it didn't feel like it was the end of something it, it felt like it was the, the end of a, a phase in that that line mentality um, that something bigger um, something eternal was happening, um, and that was just one little part of it. So I think in that moment when you kind of feel like w the worldly feelings inside are saying, man, that's over, by everybody, like this stinks. But um, I just think God was able to bring us to a point um, where we were able to realize, hey, you know, this this part of this story might be over, but the whole journey is not over, and we were just blessed to be able to be in this part of it together. I've been in a lot of losing locker rooms before. And there's always emotion. And it was an emotional, passionate locker room. But it was very unique for me. I'm not sure I've ever been in a locker room where there was less regret. There's been post-seasons where we lose, and it's, it's almost like there's a sense of regret that we didn't get everything we could have out of the team. But there really was uh, a joy in that locker room because even though we got beat, we left nothing on the table. Trevor, what do you remember about that? It's hard to put into words, really. Um, if you were in the locker room, then you could just feel it. Um, you know, everyone was sad, but at the same time they were joyful and we're all crying, but no one wanted to leave. You know, it's kind of, it's twisted almost of what you would think would be uh, the feeling in a locker room after the last game. Um, but yeah, we were, it was really a celebration. It was kind of weird, you know, it's like, this might be a weird analogy, but you know, some people have, funerals when you know their season comes to an end but we had a celebration of life and it was just like you know why not um why not enjoy that time with your brothers you know we have one last time to to spend as a team um four years of pouring into relationships comes down to you know this one moment and uh, i i don't know it was just it was a really special moment that i'll never forget and i'll always cherish and, and it's true as a coach, you, you go through the ups and downs of multiple seasons with players, and this is the final time, and it's almost ascending, where you're saying, okay, now, whatever you learned about I am third, now go and do it yeah. somewhere else. And uh, I'll remember moments in that locker room with each of you being our last time together, uh, but as competitors, you lose your last game, and it hurts. Does losing change anything about how you view the year? Uh, for me, I, I don't losing does not change um, anything. Well, well, at the moment, probably, you know, you think about it different. Like, man, like this sucks. Like maybe we didn't do what we need to do. But as we um, drove back home, and I just kind of you know reflect back to the game, and I was like, no, like, you know, we, we did everything we could have done. We pour out all all we had into the game, and you know, into a relationship throughout the year. So you know. Losing that game sucks, but there was more into our relationship. And, you know, even after we came back, still, 
hang out with you know our teammates and it didn't even feel like you know the season was over like we were still coming into the locker room guys were still, still spending time together doing stuff having lunch together so i felt like you know losing wasn't didn't make it the end yeah i'd say losing kind of changes two things one the world doesn't see a ring on our fingers this year and that's okay um but two is what's unseen and it's guys that are returning are going back from Sioux Falls and they're getting at it and they have a chip on their shoulder. And, um, you know, if we would have won that, if we would have won the tournament, we might've come home and put it on cruise for, you know, the whole summer maybe, but it's like, no guys are coming back. Um, Trevor Harrell's dunking already. Like, you know, (laughs) they're getting after it. So yeah, that's, that's what it changes. And I'd even say as a coach, it it changes, uh, from early in my career, every single thing was defined by the result of the game. And I think one thing this year changed for me was getting to the end of the year and losing and still feeling the sense of accomplishment and meaning from this year in the same way that did last year winning a national championship. And that was special, and it was a, a, a testament to the journey you guys led us through this year that we've been talking about all year. So I want to give you guys this opportunity to, to just give a final word Let's reflect back to episode one of this season. And in that episode, you guys talked about your lowest points in in searching for your identity through the game of basketball. And I want you guys to go forward now. You're going out into the world. Basketball career as a college athlete is over. And I want to talk about what you learned and how that will carry forward. So first, let's go back to you, Trevor. Yours was a year ago in May when you were wrestling with whether you should even play or not. Tell us what's happened since then internally for you. Yeah, so I was at my lowest point. I just kind of had boxed myself in on, um, you know, I kind of limited myself to an identity of fear, an identity of um, just how I was feeling that day. And it's like fast forward to the end of the season. um, And I'm just so glad how my identity played out uh, my senior year, um, the coaches were always keeping me accountable with keeping my keeping my focus on uh, what I said I wanted it to be at the beginning of the year, which was just having relationships with the younger guys and having, you know, prioritizing my relationships with people over my playing time or anything of that sort. Um, and uh, after after the last game, I had a really tough time. Uh, transitioning into the idea of not being on a team anymore. Um, it wasn't that I was really sad that basketball was over, but I had nights where I would stay up till two or three in the morning, just like honestly just crying and mm-hmm. thinking about how my team of men, you know, I'm sure they're, they're always going to be there for me. I could always reach out to one of them, but it's not like I wake up and it's on the schedule for me to see them that day. Um, and, I know that that's something that I'm going to have to seek, uh, whether it's in my line of work or a small group or whatever it is. But, yeah, that's when I look back on my time here, that's one thing that that I will always uh, know that I valued really highly. It was just having a team of men to always have my back and uh, keep me accountable. And one of the fun things to watch as your career progressed, you know, a year ago we were – 
worried you weren't going to play. And so, man, we really want him to leave as a legend this program, and you have because of your leadership this year. And to think about you now going out and starting your own teams and your family or at your work, that's really the purpose of, of what we do, and it's it's why we do what we do. So really excited to, to follow along there. But, Joel, you talked about your first year here when you were really struggling to get on the court. You were seeking who you were. And here we are several years later, and you've obviously taken this program to another level in your time as a starting point guard. Take us through what you've learned as far as identity uh, in Christ is concerned, and what does it mean for you going forward? Uh, For me, just not being comfortable in uh, whatever situation I'm in and just knowing that whatever situation you're you're in, whether it's high or low, it's not always going to be like that, you know, every time. And just knowing whatever you need low, um, whenever I'm in a low situa- um, situation where, you know, I'm not feeling like, you know, I'm giving it up, giving it up uh, my whole, like I'm feeling super low, just trying to think outside of myself and don't think inside of myself and try to reach out to others and put people, put people before, before me. And I think when I started to do that, um, I started to live life really, um, relationships that's to, to grow more. So and that's something um, I've learned, and I think that will carry me into um, my adult life, you know, after basketball. And again, you're getting married here soon, starting your own family. And, and what's fun to think about on this episode is that last game, one of the lows, Oregon Tech. You have a broken hand. Uh, things aren't going well. You're playing against an All-American. You have your career high in that game. And it, it really is a typical of, of Joel, the warrior mentality that he's brought for four years that – in a time when it should have been the lowest of lows, he emerges and is playing the best he can. And we know that's going to be true of you as, as you live your life going forward as well. So, Evan, let's f- finish with you. We, uh, when we began talking, you were in the lowest of lows. You had left Kansas University. You weren't even sure if you were going to play again. And here you sit a couple years later having done amazing things in our program and, and going to places in leadership we probably wouldn't have thought possible when we first talked to you a couple years ago. What was it that you learned in this journey and how will it carry forward into your life? Um, just as I reflect, I guess a big piece of it is humility. Um, I look at where I was at and, and what got me to that point um, was just doing things my way or doing things that I thought was right or even just my relationship with God saying, well, no, I, I think I got this one. I got this figured out or misinterpreting um, to benefit me what I, I feel like he's leading me to do. Um, but then I found myself at rock bottom. And I just think um, having the humility to accept God reaching his hand down to me to pick me up, even though I didn't feel like I deserved it. Um, and then just him giving me these amazing opportunities and um providing a foundation for life that I can I can look back on and um, like Trevor said the opportunity to be with these guys is amazing and just the opportunity to you know have the opportunity to reach out to somebody at some point knowing they'll always be there these relationships are huge Um, but I just think um, my story is a good example of just how life has ups and downs um, and just because I'm uh, I'm up right now doesn't mean I'll, I'll be down again or I won't be down again in the future. And um, when I am, I'll be able to look back on this time and say, "All right, now what got me out of that? Just take God's hand, stand up with Him, and and figure out how to fight another day. Um, figure out how to put Him first in my life and and others before myself. And those are really things that, like Joel said, things I'll take take with me into my life and 
um, just will get me through those hard times. And it's something that um, I can't thank God enough for. Um, and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity um, and just the path that he's led me on and, and how I've been able to spend a lot of the, a lot of that time here. And that's going to come true very soon as your wife Molly's pregnant, you're going to be a dad, and you may be going overseas to play. So there, there's all these things coming in front of you that may lead to highs, may lead to lows. But ultimately, as we learn, trading the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three is always the best way to live and to lead. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined again by Coach Tonegal here on our final episode of this season. Coach, I want to reflect on the, the full season, but first I want to just get to that final game against Oregon Tech because there was a sense as we left the Sweet 16 game that uh, so much momentum, so much positive energy, and we thought we were going to go in and play a great game against Oregon Tech. What do you remember going into that day? Yeah, we felt good about the matchup. We felt good about the game. It was almost like, you know, you have these feelings like we're destined to win after last night and Every year we have a every year we've won a national championship. There's been a really close game, and we thought, okay, that's the game. We'll come out and explode uh, in the next one. But it didn't happen that way. Oregon Tech was a very good team, but they just played an otherworldly game and and just went to another level. Uh, maybe the best game they've played all year. As that game was unfolding, what was going through your mind? Well, I, I obviously was was disappointed in the way we were playing. We got beat up on the glass. We didn't shoot it well, and, and they did. We really could not stop the bleeding. It was just a game where you felt somewhat helpless. So go inside that locker room after the game because you're a competitive coach. Yeah, we're pursuing I am third, but we're also trying to win these games, and we see that as a pathway to win. So what are you processing? What are you experiencing both in the moment in the locker room and then going forward? Well, those are the most difficult locker rooms, I mean, after losses, um, regardless, regular season, because a lot of emotions are going through your head, a lot of feelings. You're, you're trying to look at the game objectively. You're trying to look at the stats. But when you're at the national tournament, there is no tomorrow. You're done. And you're in some ways, you're just trying to reflect with your seniors and the meaning uh, that they had upon the program. And it's, it's very emotional. In some ways, I, I enjoy them. some ways, man, you just dread them because you're saying goodbye to family and you're moving those guys on. And But in anticipation, you know, you'll be there in a locker room next year with a whole new set of guys and a new family and you get to do it again. It's I think that's what makes our job special is every year we get, we get a family that we get to build and there's so many challenges, ups and downs. You get to journey with these guys. And I remember so specifically a moment with Trevor Waite and just – 
embracing him and, and reflecting and thinking through about what's happened over these last four years, but then also what's next and how he's prepared for what's next. But that's a hard moment emotionally that's rare in life because you're coming off this loss where you're competitive and you're frustrated, but then you have to transition and try to think about these guys. What's going on inside your your mind and your heart in that moment and trying to figure out what message to send to these guys? Well, you, you look them all in the eye and you, you just see the individual stories. I remember looking at Joel and thinking – Man, this is a man right now. Uh, he didn't come to us a man, but he's a man, and I couldn't be more confident in the next phase of his life. We knew he was getting married. We knew he was going to get a job. And, you know, you could say that about each of our guys, Evan and Trevor. And when when you have those types of relationships, and it's not always like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every guy that graduates from our program, you know, didn't fully reach the potential. But this year, those three seniors have fully reached their potential. And to know that they were going to go out and just be leaders in their communities uh, excites me. How about the frustration of having a broken hand for Joel and a severely sprained ankle for Kyle? How did you not live in, in that tension of, of being frustrated about not having your full team on the floor? Well, I certainly did. I mean, I, to be honest, uh, it was a tough end of the season for me, more than, more than most. I it probably took me two months to really snap out of it. Um, I went home and just kind of moped and couldn't put a finger on it, but was extremely disappointed, was was frustrated. Yes, there were some great parts of the season, but I I still can't accept losing. That's just I, And I don't want to ever accept it. Um, and part of it, I think, revealed to me a little bit about my competitive nature. You know, why? where does that competitiveness come from? And, and when it's rooted in pride – and it's about being better than somebody, then then you've misplaced that gift that God's given you. So I think God used some of that to kind of, I think, reshape my perspective on being competitive. doesn't want me to be less competitive, just the reasons why competitive. All season long, we've been talking about identity and, and finding an identity of three. So now that you've had months beyond the season and you look back, how do you reconcile this? How, how do you evaluate this season knowing we did not win the final game but there was all this growth that happened throughout the season. That's the hardest part in coaching, I think, is to, to, to truly find that perspective. We can say, yes, we are third, but then when, when you lose or when you don't meet your goals, can, can you stand by that? And so uh, every day the habit of putting God first, putting other people second, to continuing to uh, strengthen my identity in Christ, not in performance, so that you know how many people ask me in the weeks coming, what happened? What happened to you guys? Well, what they're saying is, hey, your performance didn't meet my expectations. And if I live up to that, of course I, I would be unfulfilled and unsatisfied because I'll never meet everybody's expectations. I, I can't even meet my own expectations. But instead to say, did I fully surrender this season to God? Did I, did I take some risks for the kingdom and put him first above myself and my worldly objectives? And, and, and I, could, I could wholeheartedly say yes to that. And I could look back and say, man, I saw a team grow. I saw young men move forward uh, closer in their walk with Christ. And now they think they have a game plan for the rest of their lives. They, they can put God first and other people second wherever they go. That gave me a sense of satisfaction. It's funny that you bring that up because on, on one hand, you look at this season and uh, won 30 games. We were ranked number one in the country for most of the season. We tied for the regular season Crossroads League Championship. We won the postseason conference championship. We went to the Elite Eight and we got beat. Uh, by a team that was really, really good. And the number one response that I got was like, oh, I'm so sorry about this season, as though it was this complete failure. So talk to that coach. That, that This 
profession, you're identified by your winning and your losing. So it makes it even harder to find an identity in Christ because everybody, all they talk about and all they think about is what your record is and if you've performed or not. It, you know, the good and bad is we have a record and the public is going to identify us on that record. But we don't have to live to that and we don't have to identify ourselves on that. But the only way to do that is if we're living in relationship with God. And if we do live in relationship with God, we're able to separate ourselves from the world. And so I would encourage coaches to really pursue God first, but to find other coaches, other friends, mentors they can do this with. Can't do it alone. You got to find a group of guys. You got to be in that community. And we're finding that, uh, you know, this summer we connected with so many coaches through our camps, which has been really, really neat. Because I hope what we're doing is we're we're saying our identity is not going to be in our records. It's going to be in, in the way we pursue God with our programs. So speak to the coach who's in the midst of a downtime. You talked about two months where you were really seeking and searching. What did you do to pull yourself out of that? Well, one is I wasn't afraid to talk about it to, to people who knew me and just be honest. You know, everybody says, how are you doing? And you can quickly say back, yeah, I'm great. But the reality was I wasn't great. But to say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Um, I, you know, here's where my identity lies. But then, two, to pursue something. You know, it was season ended. You go from this high of uh, the competitive juices are flying. Where are you going to put your ambition? And so we began to just pursue God again. I got with some guys, and we began to memorize Scripture. And it just gave me something to to hang on to for a while and to, to wake up with a challenge every single day. And so we're always looking for those challenges. We've learned to find spiritual challenges, which keep us going. Final thing, Coach, we've gone through the ups and downs of this season. We've talked about the highs and lows. It's not just been a straight line at the top. But there's a group of guys that have tried to trade the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. What's the meaning and potential of coaching if it's done in the pursuit of an I am third life? Well, you've mentioned it. I think coaching um, is one of the greatest professions in terms of opportunities for influence. And it can work both ways. But if you will submit yourself uh, to what God wants to do through your coaching, he's going to take that, that position that you have and he's going to leverage it uh, for his kingdom and for the growth of others. Thanks for joining us this season on The Pursuit. Our prayers have been that taking you inside the locker room of our program has challenged you to trade the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three in your own life and leadership. At IW Hoops, we believe this is the best way to live and to lead, and we'd love to hear more about how you are applying it to your context and situation. Let us know if you have ideas in the future for other podcasts. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWoo Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWooHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.